Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of uh, Hilary Bartle. Uh, welcome, Hilary. Thank you. Well, nice to see you. Good to see you too. Um, and you're not too far away from where I live. You're in Chichester, so quite a local one for me today. Uh, but we're still here online, which is great. Um, I'm just going to tell the audience a little bit about you, and then we'll get into some sort of conversation. So you are the Chief Executive of Stone Pillow, uh, this charity mm-hmm that supports and empowers homeless and vulnerable people to achieve sustainable independence and well-being. So a great uh, thing you do with that charity. And you've you've had experience of delivering lots of key projects over your time. Uh, It's all about delivering positive outcomes for vulnerable people within health, well-being, and prevention of area of work. So a whole host of stuff Mm -hmm. you've got experience on. And um, today we, we are going to be exploring how you lead uh, through sort of partnerships and collaborations, but also we're going to be looking at this whole aspect of the coalition of of the willing as well. But before we get there, just so people get to know you a little bit more, uh, Hilary, what what do you love about what you do? I love the fact that I can come to work. I Actually, I never go away from work. Um, I love the fact that we, we make a difference, that we can enable and empower people who ordinarily would be excluded within society, would be disenfranchised. Um, And I love the fact that every day I learn something new, every day there's a positive challenge, and every day we can overcome those positive challenges through partnership, through joint working, through co-production. And I, I I just love my job. I love my job and um, I love my team and I find it uh, exhilarating each day. That's brilliant to hear. I love when people say they love their job. And I know having had many conversations with you, you're, you're very passionate about what mm. you do and um, and you you always bubble over uh, with uh, <laughs> with the excitement of, of what you're doing. And mm. I'm just curious to know what got you into working with sort of vulnerable uh, people in terms of how, how what got you to, to, to what you're doing today I guess um I think initially I I suppose it comes from a set of values that I was brought up with um that my parents were um Christians um and I went to church when I was little I don't go anymore but I went to church when I was little and so I still have a spiritual side of me Um, But they gave me a set of values. And one of those key values was to be kind and to care about your neighbour and your fellow citizens. And they really practised what they preached, um, my parents did, and were very kind and generous people. Um, Also, both my grandmothers had severe mental ill health, um, had not been treated. And when they you know, both were a result of postnatal depression in the 1930s and 1920s. And I, I, I became quite passionate about how people were not given a fair crack at the whip, really, how they were institutionalised. Um, 
and and sort of the sort of sense of social justice was very much ground into me about giving people a, a, an equitable life and making sure people can be empowered and enabled to to move on. Um, so I think it came from that grounding, really, mm. in my life. And then I started work um, in, in charities and working as volunteering in hostels. And then I got a job in Manchester in a large men's hostel. Um, and in fact, it had 400 beds, bed spaces, it was a huge Victorian building. Um, and it sort of transformed my life. I found that we were working with men predominantly there and the stories they told, the lives they had and how they'd come to the point of being homeless really affected me and I really wanted to make a difference and to, to look at how through partnerships and through relationships with other agencies, you can really tackle some of the some of those um, disparities that people suffer in life. And there's and 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 it's fascinating. Um, and I've always battled around that. I very strongly believe that no one organisation can resolve things on their own. That you have to work collectively. And we mentioned the coalition of the willing. That is something that's really important, that we all have to have a shared vision and we all have to have a set of shared beliefs and values to be able to sort of tackle some of the injustices mm. of life um, and particularly to some people who really are set with huge challenges in their mm. life. It's interesting our, our upbringing, how the impacts of, mm. of that does it on, on our lives and how that's what was modelled to you and what was shown to you. Mm. And that sort of that sort of kindness, and how that has um, gone through, and and obviously by the sounds, it sounds like you found your your purpose and got all the clarity yes. of what that, what purpose is. Um, and you started yeah. to touch on there how how you um, lead, and I'm going to talk about the sort of leadership context of how you use partnership and collaboration. But interest in this whole coalition of the willing, and I, and I, I looked it up, mm. and it's an interesting because I've sort of it's a phrase I've sort of heard, but I didn't really know what it meant, mm. and. Um, and it's interesting, it was coined when the, the US led the Iraq invasion in 2003, um, yeah. which is interesting how that phrase came out. And, yes. and, I, and I just want to, because I, I do see you as a little bit of a, type of a warrior type leader, because you've got <laughs> you know, a lot of, in, in a good sense, in a good sense. And so it'd be interesting to understand what you um, perceive as Coalition of the Willing and how does that play out in your world and within the charity you work with yeah. down below? I mean, I think that, as I said, you need to have people in the tent working together. That's critical. So when you're working with people, which we do, a person does not just have one issue in their life. They have a combination of issues that surround housing, health, well-being, finance, a whole range of things. And without that partnership, you can't work with that individual effectively. So we all have things in our lives that, that give us struggle. And we all have components that come and support us in that life. So um, friends, family, 
bank managers, um, doctors, you know, we all have that. And what happens when people sort of fall out of the systems is that they cannot get back hooked in to those those core components of life. So it's a struggle to get a GP if you haven't got an address. It's a struggle to get your mental health treatment if you've also got a substance misuse issue. It's a struggle to get your finances if you haven't got a stable address. You know, it's a struggle to get housing if you're moving around all the time. So what what we have to do is bring together this partnership to say, look, these are individuals who have equal rights to the rest of us. But for whatever reason, they have fallen out of the system and hit the safety net, which is Stone Pillow or any other homelessness organisation. Because once you hit going into a day service and you're rough sleeping and you're in a hostel, you are you have lost a lot. You have gone down that spiral. I think it was Young who had that spiral. And in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of need, your core components you need are shelter, safety, food and warmth. You know, core components before you can build anything else back up. And so that is what we try and do. We try working with our partners to look at that individual, map out what their needs are, in co-produced with them. So what you have to do is actually look at what they want as well. You know, mm. it's not about us telling you what you want, because that just never works. Well, it never works for me, and probably because I'm stubborn, but it, it, it doesn't work. So you have to work with them. What are the bits and pieces that will make the most difference at that point in their life? And often it's health and particularly mental health, mm. um, as well as their shelter. You know, so those are the first two components, trying to get their shelter, their home, their environment sorted out, trying to not re-traumatise them, because many of our um, people who use our services have been traumatised throughout life because of abuse because of being in the services, because of um, family dispute or fear or violence, whatever. Um, their mental health needs have often deteriorated or they have had a mental health need that has mm. caused their issue. So it is about pulling all those people together, all those agencies together, be it the voluntary sector, the statutory sector, whatever, bringing them together and saying, okay, how do we work better together around this individual? But how do we work better at a, at a more strategic level? And, and how do you do, because obviously you have an organisation, you have staff, you have volunteers, you have all these agencies that you, you rely on, you have obviously funding, gaining obviously funding for your services. Mm -hmm. How do you bring people together? How do you get people to buy into what you're doing and to, into the passion and the purpose that you have um, what is it that you're doing on a weekly, daily basis, whatever it may be? I think the big one for me is telling the stories. So you tell the stories. And, and I think everybody's heart, no one wants any social injustice. No one wants people to fall through the net. Um, so it's about winning hearts and minds. And mm. the majority of people want to help. They want to come together and find solutions. They want to improve the systems. However, the bureaucracy that often people sit within precludes them from doing that because it's not flexible. 
it's very rigid. You know, people have eligibility criteria, people have assessment methods, and nothing quite aligns. And what happens is the casualties of that are people who are our clients. So telling the stories is really important, but having that passion and belief that we can do it and getting that shared vision and shared objectives is critical. Um, so in terms of aligning strategies, strate- uh, no, strategic um, direction across all the statutory agencies, getting the voluntary sector really embedded in that co-production of those strategies and the, mm-hmm. the lived experience voice to say what works, what doesn't work, what are the barriers, what are the successes, and trying to map that picture. I think it's a different level. So at a strategic level, it is, there is a lot of work goes on in terms of, we know there's a coalition of the willing, we know people are wanting to make change. Their barriers are often the bureaucracy that they work within, which Mm. precludes that. Or the lack of staff, which is another big issue at the moment, is that recruitment is hard for the mental health services. It's really difficult to recruit for mental health services. Hospitals are under pressure. GPs are under pressure. So we we have to be mindful of that, but work with what you've got. And then at a service level, it then, once you get the strategic work right, you can drive that down at the service level. And again, there are always bureaucratic issues, but actually they can be overcome. And sometimes it's very much down to people. The passion that people have, and I know the passion that my staff have, is phenomenal. They will go above and beyond. They And they have gone above and beyond. Throughout COVID, they have been phenomenal. And I keep using that word. I got told off for using it too many times. But, <laughs> um, but they are. I can't think of any other word. They are awesome. You know, they are amazing bunch of people uh, who are utterly committed. And their vision is my vision, is the organization's vision, is my trustee's vision. Um, and so that passion can bring people along with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at an individual level, that it is about our personal responsibility to to fight for change. And I've always had that personal responsibility for fight to change, be it marching for CND, be it, you know, uh, Clause 28, be it whatever. I've always had this sort of social responsibility. So I suppose it is passion that sits behind mm-hmm. that, resilience and engaging people at the right level at the right time yeah that answers your question no no it does i think storytelling i I think that's really Mm. important because it creates meaning isn't it just putting things you do is Mm. obviously you do great stuff but actually it doesn't mean anything to anybody Uh, and and if you're not part of that service it doesn't relate to you actually why would i buy into it but actually telling stories of, of the outcomes of the people you're helping generates the interest and obviously also by telling a story just like you're telling Mm. today Mm. is create people feel the passion people feel the energy don't they they do and people then sort of it clicks so if you see a set of numbers that say you know seven thousand people last year were rough sleeping that's oh it's terrible that how awful but if you can relate that to and that and one of those stories is like me you know I was, a, you know, I've worked in a bank, I've done this, I've done that, I had a breakdown, I had this, I had that. This led me to losing my home, my family, my finances, 
and suddenly my life has deteriorated into sleeping in a doorway. That is normal. That is what we see, which is, you know, there is not a stereotypical mm. person that we see. They, they are me and you. And we are we are those people. And at any one point, we can trip over that edge. And it doesn't take long to become homeless and mm. very vulnerable if you are rough sleeping. And that is that is the bottom of that spiral. You have hit rock bottom mm. when you have no home, when you have no security, when you have no food. And when you resort, as I think we all would do, to drinking to deaden that pain. Mm. So I think it's it, those stories are very poignant. We've worked with people who've been headmasters, who've been in the forces, who've been senior people in industry, you know, who've been teachers, who've been doctors and nurses. And, you know, no one is excluded from hitting this. And I think when you it's see good that you're saying that. Way, it's good that you're saying mm, that because I think people have a stereotype, don't they, of, they do. of homeless they do. people. And actually it's, it's just sometimes... It's that backstory. There's that backstory, and some people have just gone through a, for whatever reason, something a trauma yeah. in their life, yeah, and yeah. it's created a, a sense of lack of purpose, possibly, and it just spirals, unfortunately. And it that's, does. And it's, so you talk doctors, people who head teachers, sort of mm. people who are good in society, so to speak, but actually can still be, uh, I suppose, vulnerable in a sense. And, and I think that yeah. makes it all we're all vulnerable in that sense. And obviously, yeah. the last eighteen months have shown that. Uh, in Absolutely. Terms of how, reality mm. is that we're very vulnerable uh, as people um i wanted to just talk a bit more about your the collaboration aspect because obviously part of what mm. you're doing as a, as a organization is you collaborate a lot with other agencies mm. yeah. and just to understand what sort of barriers you may get in that context and you may want to bring any examples in but mm. and how you've overcome some of those barriers of, of collaboration uh, that may have been sort yeah. of hindering the sort of uh, successful outcomes I mean, as I mentioned before, I think, it, it, I mean, I think COVID was a brilliant example of what brings together the coalition of the willing, because COVID had no hierarchy; it affected everybody, and so very quickly, um, West Sussex, the voluntary sector, statutory sector, mobilised and got together a covid response to rough sleeping and we'd worked relatively well as a as, as a, a group across west sussex we talked and we collaborated and we discussed but often we didn't have a shared focus and covid or the safety of individuals within covid became that absolute shared mm. um target vision um, we wanted to keep people safe. We wanted to keep people off the streets. And we wanted to make sure their well-being was okay at the same time. So a group of us came together, which was for the first time involved health across the board. So primary health care, as well as mental health, um, probation, police, voluntary sector, um, statutory sector agencies, all came together in a response to looking at how we could address those that were rough sleeping. And then the government came in and said, well, actually, by the way, we're going to tell all the local housing authorities to get everybody off the street. We want no rough sleeping out there, which in 35 years of working in the industry, I've never had 
Okay, so to me, COVID response was phenomenal. It was great because actually it was it proved it could be done. Mm. And so then came along the private sector. So organizations that we had at Lins and Travel Lodge and a whole range of other people offered up at a cost, but offered up their provision to to house people in. So we were taking people and we had 10 days from the 17th to 23rd or 27th of March to get people off those streets across West Sussex and across the country, actually. And that that required, and it was a bit like, it required that coalition of the willing. It was a, like a military exercise. It, it was the nearest yeah. thing to a military exercise I've seen in that, A, we had to identify everybody, and we pretty much knew everybody who was on the streets through my outreach teams and other people's outreach teams and, and the local authorities. We had to encourage them to come off the street because many of them many of them were entrenched they didn't trust agencies they certainly didn't trust the statutory agencies they didn't think they could live off the streets people get so into a mindset that mm. they don't feel able to move off the street it's not a choice if they haven't got that option in their head to be able to move off so we had to persuade people to move off the street we had to get them into those buildings. We had to make sure those buildings had all the basic equipment for them. So people were literally being moved off the street into a flat in Butlins or into a room in Travel Lodge or into a room in another hotel. We had to then sort out making sure we could feed them. And so some had self-catering, some didn't. So we had to work out how we could feed them. We had all the lockdown happening at the same time. Um, we had to debate about my staff's security and my staff's health and well-being um, and how we were going to manage our own hostel provision. And collectively, we came together on a weekly basis and we discussed and we shared our common issues. And we also came to common um, action plans and mm. common ways moving forward. And that made a huge difference because it built relationships with organizations that we didn't have that strength of relationship before so health we're looking at the health and mm. the well-being and the safety and coming up with guidance and coming up with advice about how we could keep people safe and then mental health were coming up how we could you know get people continuing to receive their mental health services so we mm. had to buy laptops and phones and everything for people butlins gave us flats for staff to stay in so they could work there on site and support and manage people who were who've never before i mean there was one guy who'd been on the street for 15 years and he had to cope and it sounds odd but living within four walls it's quite oppressive mm. and coping and cooking mm. for himself and and just managing not being away in a tent somewhere he actually is now housed and doing really, really well. And he's, and it's just his partner's just had a baby. So wow. it's, it's a phenomenal journey for him that we would never have, have actually seized the opportunity. So in terms of a partnership, it's, it's actually one thing that can trigger. It's one, I mean, a pandemic can trigger people going, this is what we share an issue on. Mm. And this is why we've got to come to. So it's finding that wicked issue that you want to come together over and actually working through that. And okay, it becomes bigger, but 
it's it's just getting down to that very finite mm. what is it we've got to share what we've got to do that's shared and that makes a huge difference and then you translate that back to your partnership within your teams and you mm. roll that out within your teams and you listen to what people have to say but it's listening negotiating understanding and just doing and getting on and cracking on and doing it it sounds like um covid was a i'd say a a positive impetus for what what happened in terms of what you you just shared there and that, and that's fantastic mm. obviously i'm not saying because there's some good stuff that's come out of covid and i think we've got to mm. take that and actually create an impetus for you in terms of not just the for a period of time, everybody was housed mm. and was told to house. Mm. Obviously, positive stuff, and obviously, some challenges with that. But the fact that it created this sort of real common purpose that got you mm. further collaborations with various other people you've mm. worked with before or not worked much with. Mm. And so, just reflecting on that, how has that changed your your focus or your leadership of, of Stone Polo going forward, based on your learnings that you've just shared there? Um. I think it's it's made me more driven by partnership and collaboration. Mm. Um, so since then, the, the coming out of that COVID response, so much more has happened. And that sort of drive to deal with some of the issues that are coming up. So in West Sussex, from the COVID response group, we now have a multi-disadvantaged um, strategic group. Uh, from that group, we were able to develop a whole set of data that we could all collect data consistently across the county, which demonstrated need. We have moved even further forward by working with the county council in putting in a bid for what's called Changing Futures, which is a not just a West Sussex bid but it was a East Sussex and Brighton and Hove bid to look at systemically how we can improve and change systems to be more aligned because we identified where systems were broken mm. because we were working together on a particular piece of work that identified some of the broken systems and some of the cracks and some of the issues that we needed to resolve and that then has transformed into a changing futures bid which went to government and Sussex and Brighton Hove were successful. And I've been part of that process in terms of the bid, in terms of leading an element of that, which is around, okay, this, let's listen to those with lived experience and let's get them to co-produce this change as well, because mm. it's they know better than anybody where it's broken um, and the struggles they've had. And that, that have caused them to go down that spiral because services weren't available in a timely and equitable fashion so i think it's about taking one issue but actually looking at how you can expand mm -hmm. on that and not giving up i mean resilience i think one of the things i've learned from it all is just be utterly resilient you have to just crack on you have to continue and not give up i i think that my responsibility is to pick up the issues that my team raise and to flag those um, at a strategic level uh, and to tell those stories. And I, I tell those stories regularly at meetings. Mm. You know, it can be a little snippet or it can be quite a long story because we have some people with very, very complex and chaotic needs who just 
aren't dealt with by the systems and where the systems are broken. So, yeah, it's very much about that resilience, taking those stories, understanding what the those who are using services or need to use services really need. Mm. And at the bottom of it all, I think, is about having that compassion mm. and, and never losing that compassion. That compassion is what drives me, that I, I always think, there for the grace of God go I, you know, mm. that it could happen to anybody and I want someone back in my corner to, mm. to fight for change. Well, some fantastic learnings there and uh, insights you've, you've shared today. And and, and, and I'm particular the Coalition of the Willing. I think that's really mm. uh, quite pivotal of how you're working. Um, if yeah. people are really interested to get to know you, get to know a bit more about your charity, how they how can they connect with you? They can connect with me um, through uh, our website, which is www.stonepillow.org.uk. And that gives you all the contact details. Um, uh, we're on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm Hilary Bartle on LinkedIn. And um, please, happy to talk about it with anybody. I am very passionate about what I do. So um, I'm not very good at sort of short conversations. I like to talk through a lot. And I like to learn from others as well. I think what one of the things in this is I've learned so much from others Um and each day I learn more and I love it. I love that learning mm. experience and expansion of knowledge and how it all fits together in that jigsaw of life. Mm. Well, well, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for the, for you sharing me very open and, and, and some of the, the insights and the sort of value you can offer in terms of how you're leading mm. your organization, but also thank you for your organization, which I know has a huge impact in the, in, in West Sussex uh, and all that you're doing. And it's, I think it's, great that they've got somebody like you at the helm who's um, constantly driving it forward and very passionate about it because uh, I think that's what you need uh, and it's brilliant to, to, to know you so yeah thank you for coming today oh thank you Julian it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you if you like this episode then please do subscribe do share with your friends and do check out other episodes in the series if you're looking for support and help in your organization to create a resilient culture then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com thank you